Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting. Good morning. Welcome to another week of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, I have the pleasure of being joined with Massimo Canizo, the CEO and co-founder of Jellify Middle East. Massimo specializes in the space of innovative technologies across multiple industries and countries. Most recently in a distinguished career, including a five-year tenure in aerospace systems in the US, he held the role of global data strategy lead at Accenture Strategy and has been in Dubai uh, in the UAE since 2012. Today we'll be talking about the consultancy space, uh, the startup space, uh, and what Jellify specializes in and why mindset is important in digital transformation. And we'll move on to the opportunity in the Middle East region. Good morning, Massimo. Good morning to you. Thank you for hosting this interview. I think it will be interesting to exchange some ideas. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for thanks for joining. I think um, on the offset, you know, uh, people know how important consultancy is to businesses and how a big a business it is. Um, can you give can you give the people who aren't in this space an overview to what business cons consultants do? Sure, uh, with pleasure. After, actually, uh, my experience uh, after uh, more twenty five years in consultancy, I made a decision uh, that something uh, different uh, was needed in the market. So the reason why I opened Jellyfy in the Middle East, that is actually uh, replicating uh, what is uh, the model of Jellyfy in Europe, uh, is exactly addressing this need. You know? uh, I saw a fragmentation in the market because actually there, there are very good consulting firms that are providing very important uh, strategies and designs. Uh, and there are also startups with the fantastic solutions that requires for sure investment to grow and scale up and i saw a lot of investors and vc that are keen to support the startups and incubators that are helping the startups supporting them from a logistic point of view maybe some um, commercial enablement and so on but actually the need in the market especially to foster innovation at speed was to have somebody that was going to provide this kind of services all together in order to shortcut and create the glue between the different actors and speed up this. So consultancy, yes, we do consultancy in Jellyfy. We do advisory in innovation and also consultancy and implementation support in the, in the digital transformations. But this is not the only thing we do. We do also incubation of startups and we help them from an investment point of view, from a uh, technical uh, and technology advisory and uh, commercial advisory in order to help them to go to the market. But we don't stop at the advisory. We help them really to go to the market. Mm. So we get channel to the corporate uh, because of our position also in the, in the consulting. And last but not least, we enable uh, the investments. So we attract investors. We partner with the VCs, uh, we co-invest with uh, uh, VCs in order to create what is called the uh, Jellyfy portfolio. The Jellyfy portfolio at the moment in Europe uh, counts uh, 25 startups in the area of uh, 
uh, artificial intelligence, blockchain, uh, virtual reality, cybersecurity, and industrial IoT, mm. uh, where we uh, invested already about $25 million in order to uh, help this company to grow. And in three years, Jodify was able to manage already five ex three exits with a very high um, return for the investors and for the startup itself. Interesting. So, um, yeah. So, so basically, in the new era that we're in with different types of uh, emerging technologies, IoT and diff different sort of spaces emerging, it's provided an opportunity for a new ecosystem of services of which your company is designed to provide. Yes, correct. You, you use the right term, that is the ecosystem. Actually, the transactions, as we saw before in the past, are not anymore between one client and one provider. But all the more interesting, the most interesting projects are done at ecosystem level with the partnership and collaboration between different entities that are able to create the digital business mm. connecting the dots. So uh, this is exactly our, our, our philosophy. No? We don't want to own uh, all the services we provide. We like the idea to uh, orchestrate and to help the, our customers to orchestrate different entities, different contributors, different startups uh, in order to build what is the, the best solution for uh, at the end for the, for the, for the customer, yeah. for the consumer. It, ma it, makes you more, it makes you more agile. I, I think um, I was listening to something that the CEO of Microsoft said uh, in his book, uh, Hit Refresh, Satya Nadella, and it, it talked about that as well in terms of we, we all, we're not just a competitor to Google or Apple. We're both a competitor and a customer, and we compete vigorously on both sides. And I think that's an interesting comparison because... In this modern world we're in, it's not about a zero-sum game. You can't own one service or one area. You have to, you have to have partnerships. You have to be fluid. You have to adapt to the different customer wants and needs. Um, so I, I think it's interesting that you've done that from a concept level. Yes, exactly. I fully agree on, on the concept, and uh, this is exactly what we are doing. Um, we are enabling the uh, digital ecosystem and the innovation ecosystem from different angles. And in particular, as you said, we don't have competitors. We have only partners and collaborators because at the end, the, in the digital world, the real uh, uh, key success factor is uh, the uh, differentiation from the competitors. So each one wants to create a digital business, has to invent something new. Because if you copy-paste uh, the others' practices, uh, of course, you, you cannot win. So uh, in this innovation world, uh, the competition is uh, on, just on who is uh, uh, having the idea, the ability to realize the idea, orchestrating the right, the right uh, entity, as I said, so speed is everything. Yeah. I think when a, when a startup needs services, they're actually not sure which services they need. And... I think we actually started in um, in Astrolabs in, in the UAE, and we were one of the only media uh, tech companies there. But I could see that at the time, many people referred to marketing as growth hacking. So, um, you know, they didn't necessarily 
when they were looking at marketing, they weren't looking at advertising agencies or digital agencies. They were looking for different types of expertise and services. And I guess what, what you're saying is, is equal in consultancy. If a startup goes to um, one of the big consultancy groups, uh, they may not be, pre be prepared, or maybe they will. I don't want to say that they're not, but um, you know, the price point and the different things. And equally, you mentioned the funding side. Startups need help across those things. They need help with strategy and positioning. They need help with marketing, which they might call growth hacking. And they need help with how to raise some money. So uh, rather than having three big companies and having budgets for each of those services, I think it's quite innovative that you can provide that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is, uh, you, you, you got the point. I mean, uh, working with the startups, even more, I want to say, Jellyfy was funded by former startups who uh, were very successful startups in the B2B space with uh, fantastic exits done for big system integrators like uh, IBM and uh, Accenture and so on. So what they learned uh, in, the, in this experience is that a startup in scaling up needs not only a enablement, it doesn't need just an help, it really needs to be, um, let me say, enabled, uh, presented and brought in front of the, of the market. So that's the reason why Jellyfy created a model that, okay, a startup needs funds and we are able to invest. If we believe in the startup, we are able to invest with our portfolio uh, in, in the startup. The startup needs uh, uh, technology help because uh, maybe some skills, some expertise are not in the startup. We are able to help them to fill the gaps that they have technically. Uh, they need to um, go to the market and, and push them on the on the market and we help them to, to sell. So we do a joint go-to-market with the startups in order to uh, fit the, the purpose of the customers and uh, satisfy their needs. This is much appreciated by the customers itself. I mean, when I say customers, I say the corporates because corporates actually love the idea to work with startups, but sometimes the management style and also the um, the sides of the companies are so different that there is not so much uh, communication of uh, understanding, you know, mutual understanding between corporates and startups. This is again a, a role that we play in helping startups to fill uh, uh, the, the needs of, uh, fulfill the needs of the corporates, helping them to fill the gaps that they could have. And this is, uh, uh, of course, uh, a warranty for everybody, including the investors that see this kind of go-to-market much more safe and sure than uh, only single go-to-market of a startup with some digital marketing advisor by an agency that you described. But we, we do also media yeah. <laughs> agency. We have also digital marketing uh, uh, for our startups, but this is not enough. We need to package the projects, including and embedding the startups to the corporates. I'd like to talk a little bit about the technologies and the trends in the startup space that we're seeing, but just to stay on the, the incumbents and the consultancy space for, for now. Um, I actually met a friend who worked at Accenture at the weekend and one of your former employees. So I researched uh, their Markup 
and it's $129 billion or something like that. And I was fascinated because I, I knew that uh, consultancy was big and it's a services space, uh, but even the biggest advertising conglomerates in the world are one-fifth of that size. Uh, so how, how, what makes up, how, how are they that big? And do you think that, um, you know, it's the same with the advertising industry and the media industry, there's a lot of innovation from within. Uh, I remember when the, the CEO of WPP left a couple of years ago, Sir Martin Sorrell, people were very, you know, um, not very positive on the future of the business model. But his view was that the, there's so much brains and intelligence within the advertising business that those people can reinvent the business. Is that the same thinking in consultancy? Do you know? Are these incumbents reinventing themselves? Uh, is this is this markup and is this space uh, future proof? Do you think these kind of things are differentiating the small player like Jellyfy from the big uh, ones? Actually, we we collaborate with uh, the bigger system integrators, you know, because actually we are complementary. You know, we we are not able to do a, a migration to an SAP project around the world in. 50 countries, uh, but at the same time, uh, we, we believe we are uh, uh, smarter and faster in developing maybe an MVP for uh, a company that wants to enable the digital business leveraging artificial intelligence, for example. So I think that uh, the, in the future, this uh, will not stay like this. I think that the big uh, consulting firms will review their organization in order to uh, to break the monolith and uh, and uh, and create more specialized niche companies in the group uh, under a combination of a single brand but with the single autonomy in the go to market because otherwise this will create some uh, clash between the demand and the, the, the kind of response that is sometimes in this monolithic uh, organization flow. I think some of the um, some of the the ideas that, that are generally accepted in, in business is that um, big means you have capital and resources and that you've got history and legacy and expertise, but it always also means that you're slow. What, why do you think that is? Why, why do we put the words agile and speed with smaller either business units or, or entrepreneurs? Why are big companies perceived to be slow? Uh, actually, this is a consequence of the size. I mean, uh, we are a market where especially the, the companies that are uh, uh, listed in the, in the markets uh, need to grow. And growing means that the size is increasing. And, and then uh, the complexity of uh, orchestrating such a big company is uh, creating this uh, lack of speed. As I said, uh, I don't think they can manage anymore to to to, to uh, create, uh, the, to keep this model, uh, more federated model will uh, create the autonomy of uh, single companies that are focusing in niche markets, in niche uh, specialties or industries, even if orchestrated under the same brand. So I, I repeat this, but it's important because uh, today, uh, a big company like IBM or Accenture or Deloitte or Capdemini and so on, 
this company needs, uh, when it, it comes to a, an health, uh, uh, an advanced uh, digital health product, uh, they compete with the niche companies that do only health or life. And they are very specialized. They develop prototypes of things that are not even not existing in the world. So I think that this is kind of uh, competition is possible only if also these big uh, conglomerates creates uh, uh, at a certain point, uh, um, niche companies within their organization. But do you think that, so let's talk about kind of the last few months. How do you think in general, if we pick uh, maybe the, the cloud or the SaaS or the technology space, an example, or maybe if you want to talk about aerospace, how do you think companies have responded uh, to the global pandemic? Uh, have you seen big companies respond fast and well? Or do you think that the smaller niche, uh, more agile companies have done well? Yeah, actually, the difference was not in the way to react. Uh, it was not in the size of the company. Uh, it was more in the readiness hmm. of the company. Interesting. Related to size, but not, not, not too much. I mean, uh, the, the key role uh, in this pandemic uh, uh, was the one of digital. I mean, the, the companies uh, were, were digital ready, uh, could uh, continue to do the business without any kind of problem. For example, uh, uh, I am in, uh, in this kind of business in global consulting since a while. And uh, for me, it was nothing. I mean, uh, okay, to work uh, in conference call, in video conference, instead of physical meeting, is something that I do since 10 years. Yeah. And this was not a problem for me and for many of my colleagues and so on. Other companies were completely uh, blocked and uh, couldn't switch on this channel easily. But I, I don't want to stay only uh, talking about the smart working because smart working at the end is really a small piece of the enablement of it. But what we learned during the pandemic is the key importance to have uh, a, a digital business, a digital platform to do business uh, that is able to uh, allow to us to do the traditional work in a completely different way, but also to create a new kind of business, a new kind of revenues, uh, leveraging these digital services. So who the, the companies in the logistics, in the retail, in the hospitality, in all the, the, the markets, were able already to um, create uh, uh, or to, to operate a, a platform, digital platform, was um, impacted less. Uh, those that didn't have this uh, had a big impact and they had um, somehow a showstopper in this pandemic. But everybody understood the lesson and now everybody is uh, uh, looking for how to start a digital business. We host, as, uh, as Jellyfy, we host uh, uh, every week a webinar in this uh, Black Swan series that we call Future Proof Your Business with Black Swan Capabilities um, uh, to investigate case by case, uh, areas by areas, uh, which are the components, which are the ingredients of the, uh, the way to go out from this crisis and to lead in the new, in the new normal. Uh, for example, next week, we will have this webinar that is deep diving on uh, the digital business, business platform. And in particular, uh, we will have a look at the innovation in um, healthcare, in hospitality, and in education. These are uh, the three uh, industries that uh, 
some, I mean, many are impacted, but these three uh, for, for us are the ones that are mostly uh, transformed by this kind of experience and will have a boost uh, in different direction. Mm. But in any case, hospitality has to reinvent itself. Uh, healthcare uh, is uh, is in the middle of the stage with all the, the, the spotlights on it. Education, I mean, we learned that people from, for example, UAE doesn't, doesn't need to fly to Harvard to to attend Harvard, mm. <laughs> and, and uh, this is uh, yeah. changing uh, changing the mindset. Yeah. So we will have uh, next week uh, an interesting panel of uh, uh, university uh, professors, uh, specialists, and uh, and uh, experts of the of these uh, industries to discuss this because we want to see uh, with them. We want to tell ideas on how these technologies can uh, can. Uh, um, improve mm. uh, their business for example for example uh, in healthcare uh, now it is possible since a while actually to to have a visit with a physician without going to the physician itself somehow and to manage uh, also the, the surgery remotely but uh, even more for example i want to uh, we will tell more during the webinar but uh, we are working with uh, a company called Anuralogic. Anuralogic uh, created a product called Anura. It's incredible. It's a, a video intelligence, uh, a video analytics uh, tool with uh, uh, artificial intelligence that is able to catch the, your face for 30 seconds and give you, after these 30 seconds plus some processing, a number of diagnostics about, first of all, the vital uh, KPIs, like blood pressure, temperature, and so on, and this is easy. But also possible risk for specific pathologies, like diabetes and some others, just taking the video. And this is uh, amazing, you know? Mm. Uh, the accuracy has been launched uh, one month ago. The accuracy is about 90% of cases that there is a, when, when the, there is a flag of a risk for a pathology, and 90% of, of the cases, they are right. This is a, a, an example of how you can disrupt completely you know, the, the, the market of healthcare. Uh, and also the way to look at healthcare from, from a, a passion point of view. So the patient is not anymore looking at healthcare, only something to go to get a service when the pathology uh, happened. Mm. But it's something to wear, uh, for example, I'm aware of this, uh, this sensor with me every time to monitor my health and to prevent that I, I will need to go to the, to the hospital because I manage my health proactively. So this is completely changing. It's a completely uh, changed mindset. Do you think, uh, so a lot to unpack there. We can stick with the healthcare sector but and even education. But, you know, do you think that over the last decade or so, and I think it's interesting that you bring up the example of uh, you being ready because I think, you know, the, the consultancy space and, and has always been remote working and been able to work in different offices. And that's part of the services that you provided uh, and still do. So I, I think that's interesting that how ready that it was. But often people talk about digital transformation and then disruption. And we've we've seen narratives in the startup space about VC money and disrupting a whole industry or the Uberization of, or this sort of narrative. Um, 
But do you think that maybe in the last few months we've learned that digital transformation has been democratized and that you don't necessarily need to completely disrupt? You can actually um, partner with, uh, you know, you can kind of use open source and partner with the experts, but you can still have your bricks and mortar and you can just have add on a little digital way, whether it's WhatsApp or whether it's having webinars or whether it's things like this, that there's actually a, a, a marriage, a middle ground of the bricks and mortar of the Ubers. And then we're, we're all meeting in the middle now. Yeah, yeah, you, you are highlighting something very important. It is in the core of what we said before about the digital ecosystem. You know? In the digital ecosystem world, you don't need to own essentially everything to do the business. You need to partner with who has the components that you need. I mean, just an example, the usual one, you know, Uber. Uber uh, is an example how you can uh, skip to other car, to own a car, because you can have uh, a shared car like Uber. But even you can be a taxi company without owning the cars, because uh, Uber does own cars, you know. So um, this is an example of how you can do digital business without a strong uh, asset uh, exposure. No? Mm. And, uh, and even look at, uh, in the small case of, of us, I mean, Jellyfy Middle East was launched in the, during the pandemic, during the lockdown. We opened uh, at the end of January, we just did the announcement, the, the first uh, meeting with the, uh, the press agents and so on, and then lockdown. So what we <laughs> could do? Plan to do fantastic opening uh, events on the palm and so on, but uh, it could not be happening. But we didn't you adapted, yeah. Now because we, we leverage the uh, digital uh, agencies, we leverage the technology of Zoom and so on. And we launched this webinar series that uh, is attended by hundreds of people and so on. And we could do without owning a, a, a channel like you own, but we. We were able. Uh, we were able in any case uh, to do our business. So yes, reactivity, speed, uh, and uh, the ability to mesh up the different components from from a business point of view as needed, and very dynamically and very mm. agile. Uh, this is the the key of the, the digital transformation. Digital transformation in the past was. Um, uh, not uh, always well addressed uh, for two reasons, I think. There are failures in digital transformation. One uh, that was uh, managed uh, even by consultants, let me say, uh, exactly like was uh, uh, managed one decade before the IT transformation. No? So I do an assessment, I tell you what you need to do the next three years, and I give you a plan with a business case of 30, 50 million dollars to do all the digital transformation. And this is not, this is not in the digital philosophy. Uh, we need to uh, identify the, the MVPs and the prototype and the pilots that we need to do with $1 million mm. in the next, uh, in the next uh, year, maybe or six months, even next three months, even with less than $1 million, in order to move on. And with the results and with the learnings of these uh, minimal viable uh, pro uh, products, you can learn the next way. So uh, the planning uh, is changing, the, the, the management uh, technique is changing, the business case, the way to do business case is completely different. And this was one. The second one was the underestimation on the impact on humans, on people. I mean, uh, 
digital from uh, uh, technology point of view, uh, I mean, we have more technology than we can use. This is the reality, you know, mm. uh, at most. Uh, the technology is at the level that uh, we could uh, uh, really uh, theoretically you know, change the life of people in a few years. But the people will not, ch will not change the life easily because uh, there is a cultural... Uh, Human behavior, uh, yeah. So uh, digital transformation, you, you, I did many, many kind, of, as a consultant, I saw many times, uh, the budgets are maybe 95% spent on technology and uh, system integration and consultants, and maybe very small, 5%, 3% on the change management, on the re-education of the people, on, on uh, um, changing the mindset, on coaching, because actually, what is needed is, uh, especially the leaders uh, from a different generation, needs to be coached on how to become digitally, mentally, how to become data-driven. And this is something that is not uh, consulting, is not uh, system integration, is pure coaching. It needs a psychological skills and not technical skills. And this is something that in digital transformation is needed because uh, we don't use uh, the tool to do things. We, 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 ch we don't change, sorry, the tool uh, to do things, but we change completely the way things are done. Mm. And this is uh, this needs a completely shift, uh, mental shift, uh, that we, we, we observe also from the thought leaders. You know? The skill of the future will be not engineering, rational, and uh, organizational mindset, but creativity, intuition, uh, ability to improvise mm. uh, a solution on speed, data-driven, and pragmatism. I think these are the key, the key skills of the future. Very interesting. Um, you know, on digital transformation, we, talk, we can talk about the different sectors, whether it's ed tech or uh, health tech or prop tech, uh, and all the innovation that's happening there. And there will probably be many successes as those industries are disrupted and evolve, but there's there's probably not a zero sum again. You know, you mentioned the Harvard example. A friend of mine has just started an MIT course from Dubai, and maybe will join at some point in the year. Uh, but then he was before he joined it, he sent me this video, this new mobile app, which is an MBA in micro learning. So five minutes every day. Uh, and you get an MBA over two years. So in a way, there's there's the Harvard, there's Visit, there's the, you know, the whole history of education and the business model, the fees, uh, the, the time that's invested. And then there's the micro learning. But actually, the part in the middle is probably the best of both worlds, because how can you get the full experience from a mobile app five minutes every day? And, and you know, to bring to kind of ask the question around, uh, uh, you know, if, if you're advising with your client with this uh, medical discovery and you're working with a, a hospital or a clinic chain in Dubai or in the UAE or across the region, how do you advise them? What do you say to them uh, with that example? Yeah, I think that uh, uh, the remote working, the smart working uh, is uh, letting us know uh, things that uh, can be done uh, remotely and they will, uh, this is will good. It will be good because we can reduce the travel and uh, the 
carbon footprint of our services and so on. At the same time, we cannot do the mistake to think that everything can be done in this way. This example of micro-learning, this example of uh, no, uh, remote education that I said, this is uh, possible, this is possible, but we cannot expect that somebody can learn the spirit that you have attending Cambridge, if you go to Cambridge, uh, while sitting in, uh, in Thailand or in Dubai or in uh, Brazil, no? Because actually the network of people you create there uh, that will be probably with you for the rest of your life, your career, you can also create remotely, but it's not the same. For example, in our projects, uh, we do a lot of um, potential uh, smart working, remote working, and so on. But when it comes, for example, to the design thinking activities that we do in order to design the user experience of our apps, of our solutions. And this is, yeah, it can be done via Zoom, but it's not the same if we are in the same room, a team of thinkers, of te technical experts, of designers, of marketing people, and so on. And this brainstorming and this idea um, elaboration that is in the room requires uh, empathic, uh, or empathetic, maybe better <laughs> skills, and uh, and uh, uh, and uh, uh, attitudes uh, and execution that maybe not always is possible to do uh, through this channel. So we need to be uh, smart. We need to be smart to uh, remotize what is possible to do remotely, but not to uh, exaggerate and uh, to think that everything can be done uh, remotely. So. Uh, we need to be very selective uh, in what to keep uh, in order to um, leave the human factor that is uh, uh, the most important part uh, still uh, active and alive. So yeah. remove that, not the, the, the core, not the, the soul of the thing. Yeah. I mean? yeah, exactly. You mentioned empathy and I think emotional intelligence is very important as we move to more autonomous and uh, as AI comes into things a lot more, especially in areas such as the medical field. Uh, is, you mentioned earlier that this is one of the trends that you see, uh, technology and digital transformation of, of the medical field. Um, is that important? And, and how, how do companies go about um, adopting technologies um, and keeping the human part to it? Yeah, uh, actually, this is uh, what exactly we do at Delify. I share with you my view, but actually, this is the, the core of our way and approach uh, at Delify. We manage digital transformation in a very pragmatic and agile point of view, step by step, uh, leveraging uh, the, the native skills, uh, digital and, native, and agile skills that Delify has from the startup and the, from the former startups that are in Delify. Uh, we leverage also this strong sensibility on human factors and uh, what we call, we have an office called Smart Human that is uh, uh, helping companies uh, to change the behaviors and the mindset of employees. First of all, leadership, then employees, but especially the customer, even if customer is changing faster than employees sometimes. Uh, and then uh, we um, enable the, the creation of, of uh, use cases and or pilots and so on, and also solutions 
that are enabling the cooperation between uh, uh, artificial intelligence and humans and also robots and humans. We created in, in Bologna uh, a lab called Figital Lab. Figital because it's a mix of physical and digital. Uh, where we implement uh, uh, solutions, but also um, collaboration models uh, and behavioral models uh, of collaboration in a specific business problem. So it's not generic, mm. it's uh, applied to specific industries. Uh, how to collaborate men and machines, uh, humans and machines, collaborate in specific business in order to see the good and the bad and to let also appreciate the value of having a collaborator that can go can do things on our behalf at a much higher speed. It's an augmentation of our capabilities that should be perceived by the worker more than having a machine that can replace my job. This is something that has to be, of course, carefully planned in the strategies at company level to avoid this, but then also uh, uh, the, the employees and needs to be educated that uh, the future is uh, on augmented, uh, digitally augmented uh, work mm. and uh, to be able to leverage this augmentation, to appreciate it exactly like we appreciated when I was younger, the, the personal computers, yeah. or my father appreciated uh, the, the, the car, <laughs> the first car instead of of taking the bus, so my grandfather appreciated the steam <laughs> machines. <laughs> no, I think that is part of the evolution. We cannot resist. We need to leverage. We need to surf this way in a positive way. We need to look at uh, the new world coming, as uh, as I said always, uh, and I repeat many times, but I'm never I'm never tired to repeat that we need to look at this digital era like a human elevation era. No, where we can do better things nice. because uh, the, 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 man, the manual things can be mainly automated. Uh, and the Middle East has a big role on that. This is part of the Middle East. I, I, okay, we can observe the big passion and also uh, concrete uh, steps and uh, projects and activities that in the Middle East, especially UAE, we can observe in creating uh, in prototyping what can be the future of the world and uh, the building the best place to live and work. Nice. And this is something that uh, was the trigger of, of Jellyfy to open in Jellyfy in the Middle East, because actually we strongly believe on that and uh, we want to be part of this uh, prototyping the future of the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd like to, before we kind of go into that, because I, I would like to ask about the region specifically. Uh, just following on what you said about uh, uh, the, you know, I, I like that analogy of enhancing us as humans with technology. Uh, but the current climate that we're in, okay, you know, it's not the same maybe as a few months ago. Uh, but the IMF yesterday uh, revised their forecasts uh, significantly on a, a global contraction of, of GDP five or six percent. That's significant. It's it's more than any of us really would have experienced in our lifetime, and visibly we will see the ramifications of that for people investing in technology in the future. Uh, how can how can you how can you avoid big mistakes and in investments, especially if maybe the capital isn't there right now? Uh, what are the the baby steps to take or the precautions to take 
that uh, mistakes aren't made with betting the house on the future, for example? Yeah, this is a good question because now uh, a lot of investors are making the same question to us because they see that the, the stocks, uh, the stocks markets are, are in trouble. Uh, the, the real estate, it's even uh, not uh, in the best moment ever. So everybody's looking at investment in tech startups uh, as a possible solution. Actually, uh, I see two, um, let me say, tips that I want to share. One is uh, there is a lot of attention on B2C technologies, B2C startups, while I think, and this is the reason why Jellyfy is focusing more on B2B uh, startups, uh, there is uh, a much safer uh, area of investment uh, looking at the B2B startups. Because B2B um, has a, a higher probability of succeeding, you know, the, the unicorns that uh, we, we know from the B2C market and so on from Silicon Valley are fantastic, but these are very, very uh, rare cases. Many, many B2C startups fail and close and shut down uh, the majority. The, the mortality of the B2B startups is much uh, lower and also the um, longevity of the startups is even higher now because mm -hmm. there is more uh, uh, the adoption of a b2b solution is for a long time it's not for short time mm -hmm. while i change tomorrow the app to book my food uh, in, a, in one second no uh, so there is not so much uh, lock-in <laughs> between them and me while if i if i uh, adopt a solution to manage through blockchain uh, my transaction in a safe way, probably I will use this at least for five years. I cannot uh, change uh, every day. Interesting. So, uh, so B2B is tech startups is the way. Um, and the second is uh, to be sure that uh, the entity that is managing uh, uh, your investment uh, is uh, able to understand uh, the right uh, startups to invest on. So, as I said at the beginning of this interview, uh, venture capitalists uh, bring on board some technical skills in order to be able to select okay. the right, um, the right uh, investments. But uh, we believe that, for example, the Jellyfy, uh, since we are former startups and former technology experts and so on, uh, in our fund investment management, uh, we do much more precise uh, due diligence. So the investments that we do, since we do with our own money first, are trusted because uh, uh, and investors are very, help, uh, very happy to follow our investments because they are done with our money, so means skin mm. in the game, and from people who know technology very well. So this is the, for example, the, 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 the second tip is uh, uh, work with somebody who is able to do the right selection or where to don't, don't improvise with people who are financially uh, very good, but mm. uh, in, from a financial management point of view, but uh, from a technology. Uh, um, exactly. Interesting. So good advice. So basically companies need to find something that fits their current situation in order to choose the right investments. Um, okay, moving on to the Middle East. Um, so to set the scene, the, the 
Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, said a couple of years ago at the Future Investment Initiative that the Middle East can be the new Europe. Uh, and we see leadership initiatives in the UAE that are, are globally progressive, whether it's in the medical field or in the, the space industry, um, really uh, setting the example across the region. We're in an emerging market. Do you think, what do you think it takes for a market to emerge? You know, when I was growing up, I remember people saying China is going to be a, a global market. And at the time, it was where counterfeit goods were from. And now it's safe to say that China has emerged. So, but however, at the time also, uh, the BRIC, Brazil, didn't emerge in the same way. So, and India now is emerging per se. So the question is, what do you think that the Middle East will emerge? Will it be a global market? Rather, shake off the emerging market? And what do you think it takes to get there? Uh, this is a good question and a good bet, uh, actually. I am optimistic. So just to start with that. <laughs> uh, because uh, I believe in three in pillars of my uh, idea. No, no, my, that, okay, Middle East has the vision. Actually, if you read the, the vision 2030 uh, or of Saudi Arabia or the vision, even faster vision of uh, 2071 of UAE and so on, uh, actually, I found a lot of my beliefs uh, of what will be the future uh, of uh, life, lifestyle and uh, work style mm. and of technology with the right wisdom and so on. So the vision is there. Uh, the financial power is there because at least uh, I mean, still uh, the, the, the wealth uh, situation is able to create the right investment. Uh, the um, enablement is there because actually it's much easier to do, for example, to build a smart city in Europe. It's very complex because, because uh, they are politically impossible to, to let sure. agree all parties in a very because uh, it's complex. <laughs> Here in the Middle East, the mechanism, the governance, the, the, the way to be very, very coordinated and very straight, I think it's increasing sensibly the ability and the probability of success. And, and last but not least, I mean, in any case, the future of oil is what it is. So in any case, there is the reason <laughs> that these markets have to reinvent in something completely different. But because of the previous factors, I think uh, uh, we will observe uh, see this kind of uh, this kind of, uh, of shift of uh, change. Of course, there are also uh, threats uh, that uh, that need, uh, that threats that need, need to be addressed and so on. And in particular, I think the inclusion and uh, of uh, of expats is very important. I mean. All this can happen only if uh, the Middle East becomes uh, the best place to live and work, not for me only, but mm. also for my son, for the son of my son, for the son of the son of my son, mm. <laughs> Daughter, of course. Yeah. Because uh, all the countries that, emerging countries that were able to grow really, is because of the, the ability to grow by generations of immigrants. And, uh, and this is something that, uh, I think uh, is the only way and the only thing that needs need still to be uh, well addressed in the Middle East countries uh, from the 
vision contribute. That's a very optimistic view, and it's great to hear it. Thanks for sharing. But do you think, though, that it's that it's solely you know that the expat role is is as important as we uh, might think it is? You know, given that uh, the access point of of Dubai is, uh, you know, I think within three hours there, or four hours, there's two billion people. Um, the middle, some of the countries in the Middle East have 50, 60, 70, 80 million people. And in, in India or in China, what drove the, um, what drove the markets to emerge were the three points that you mentioned. So the vision and the enablement as well, but also the indigenous population, the empowerment, uh, and the regulation and incentives for people uh, to be innovative and to believe that they can be. Um, is that what you're seeing with the startups that you're working with? Is it uh, people from this region who are coming up with solutions um, that kind of fit this world? Yeah, this is a good point. Actually, the boundaries of the digital world are uh, for sure uh, uh, smoother than the past. No? Actually, uh, when you look at uh, the digital world, uh, you should not look at the borders of the of the company. Mm. So uh, let me highlight a couple of things that are important. First of all, uh, there is a, a big opportunity no, for Middle East, for UAE, for Dubai to create something that can be uh, consumed, if it's a consumer solution or, or adopted, uh, from a global point of view. No? I mean, uh, uh, people don't need to uh, come to Dubai to use the, 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 the Dubai uh, digital services, no? uh, let me say easily. Uh, so uh, the startups here in Middle East need to develop uh, something that can be exported globally. Mm. And on this side, Jellyfy uh, also in our in our strategy we have also this because actually we are pretty present. I mean, we're quite consolidated in Italy, Spain. We opened also in UK, and uh, now in Middle East and uh, in Dubai with the Dubai office. But soon we will have also in Abu Dhabi, in Riyadh, mm. uh, and so on. Uh, we can help also to bridge some uh, local startup to this European market in order to increase, as you said very well, to increase uh, the perimeter uh, of the target, potential target customers, uh, because uh, the, uh, the the numbers of a company like UAE with the com- numbers of a company of a country like uh, like Germany is completely different. Mm. Uh, and Saudi it's in the middle, but I think that uh, that uh, is the only case. No? So I think that uh, the size of the consumers uh, that can create a unicorn. But you can look like, at maybe Tunisia, Egypt, uh, Iraq, there's other big countries too. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, these others uh, are able to, to leverage a bigger population, at least for the B2C I'm talking about. Yeah. But you, but it needs to be cross-borders as well. That's an interesting concept. Something like uh, the, uh, the, the, the B2C startups in the, in the Silicon Valley, can ha- unicorns like that can happen only, if, for example, for a B2C startup that uh, operates at GCC level minimum. Hmm. A single country can 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 have uh, complexities in uh, okay. so, so. But why why only GCC? No. So when I talk with the local startups, uh, I want to inspire also the idea that if 
you have a, a unique idea, if you have a very, very innovative idea, a very uh, disruptive idea, you need to go worldwide. Okay. Because actually, uh, before others will uh, will anticipate you in uh, in the other countries. Yeah. So this is my uh, my idea, my suggestion. Middle East, Middle Eastern startups needs to go worldwide. Brilliant. And, uh, we are to help in this way, at least for the countries where we are. Great. That's a brilliant note to finish on. And looking forward to catching up when when some of these companies emerge. Sure. Thanks for your time, yeah. Massimo, and great to see that you've launched and progressed during uh, the pandemic. Thank you very much and looking forward in uh, maybe to have also you and all the audience connected in our webinars on the Tuesdays. Uh, you can find on our uh, webpage all the all the indication for this Black Swan series. It will be interesting. So it's something you're going to continue uh, weekly for now? Actually, the <laughs> Your good question. The, 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 the next week is the last one of the series of two months that Great. We for the uh, We will continue. It's important. Now let's uh, have the webinars to understand uh, how to be leading new the new uh, future, uh, being uh, um, at edge from a digital business point of view. Yeah. So. How to enable digital business more and more? How to change the, the technology to change the people mindset and to change the cultures in order to, to, okay. to, to more and more digital business. So this people, so for Tuesday's webinar, people can sign up on Jetlify Middle East website. And what time? Yeah, actually, uh, also in even bright. But if you you can see all the series, also the replay of the previous in www.jellify.com slash middle east slash event um, sorry explore events explore events but, uh, okay uh, you, you go to the web page of jellyfy or the facebook page there is a, a lot of linkedin it's full of the, of the content so, great well that's that's great for people to explore it thanks a lot again massimo and all the best Thank you very much and have a fantastic day. You too. Bye. Thank you. Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.